Yeah, I think at the core of it, you know, for me personally, there was a, a, a large shift in understanding, you know, the the best way to train a quarterback from like a long-term athletic development model. And and initially, you know, in in more of the, the linear teaching methodology where, you know, it's like we've got to complete step one before we can, you know, get to step two, step two to step three. I, I, what we started seeing was, you know, there, there'd be players that, you know, had the ability to make unbelievable throws that didn't fit necessarily into the traditional, you know, mindset of get over the top and extend to your target and, and um, step here with your left foot and put your right foot here. And so for me, it was it was a shift in 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 letting an athlete kind of self-discover through a lot of their own, you know, work on the field and in games, and then kind of giving them a framework instead of very rigid walls. I'm joined today by Will Hewlett, who we've had on the podcast several times, quarterback, developer, and trainer, a guy who works in the the private world to train top-level elite quarterbacks, doing that now at a six points in Jacksonville. And usually this time of the year, I catch up with Will, and we talk about some of the developments and things that he's seeing in the world of quarterback play. So, Will, it's great to have you back here on the podcast, and uh, Happy New Year to you. Awesome, Keith. I appreciate you having me back on. So, Will, I want to start with... The Sports Illustrated article, and I believe this was beginning of December, this came out as a cover article called How the NFL Learned to Love Creative QBs by Connor Orr, and you are interspersed throughout this article talking about quarterback play. So for our listeners, I've read it, but for our listeners, I guess if you could just give us an, an overview of some of the ideas that you shared in that article. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Connor reached out to me, and, and he had basically seen quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, and, and this, this was written in November and, and there was just a number of numerous elite throws that were being made by a number of different quarterbacks, you know, from Kyla Murray to Mahomes and Josh Allen and obviously Aaron Rodgers. And, and it kind of stood out to him that, that we're seeing more and more creativity and, and adaptive playing in the NFL than we probably ever have before. Um, guys are playing a little bit outside the a little bit more outside the box than they ever have before and and so his idea was like you know why is this happening and where is it going and you know is it is it a result of you know more athletic people playing quarterback is it you know coaching combination so the general gist of the article is you know what are some of the things that are happening developmentally and maybe some of the the, the younger levels and, and maybe how a coach's, you know, coach's perception changing a little bit about, you know, how we, we coach and, or, or not coach, you know, let guys to kind of make plays, you know, where that's coming from and why that's happening. That, that was the general gist of the article. I think back to when I first met you in 2009 and we were working uh, uh, at the time it was called, I believe, Darren, Darren Slack Quarterback Academy, where the Quarterback Academy in Hilliard, yeah, Ohio. It was like 2009, I think maybe right before I started as a quarterback coach at, at Baldwin Wallace. And it was, you know, very uh, programmed way of training a quarterback. And, and certainly I would say, I don't want to say developing, you know, robots in the game, but, you know, very rigid. And this is how a quarterback is trained. And, and now you see a lot of fluidity. You see a lot of, of different, arm angles you see the quarterbacks working different with their base and just a a huge evolution i think in the 
in the creativity that you see out of the quarterbacks, but also in the athleticism that it's, it's not always that the arm has to be at, at this angle and this is the perfect launch point. And you see guys just making plays because they're able to adapt and adjust and, and do different things. What, what do you attribute to that change that we've seen? And we've talked about this before, but I think it's progressed even more. What do you attribute that to as we've moved along this, this spectrum from, I guess, the old way of coaching quarterbacks to some of the yeah. new things you're seeing now? Yeah, I think at the core of it, you know, for me personally, there was a, a large shift in understanding, you know, the the best way to train a quarterback from like a long-term athletic development model. And and initially, you know, in, in more of the, the linear teaching methodology where, you know, it's like we got to complete step one before we can, you know, get to step two, step two to step three. I, I, what we started seeing was, you know, there, there'd be players that, you know, had the ability to make unbelievable throws that didn't fit necessarily into the traditional, you know, mindset of get over the top and extend to your target and, and um, step here with your left foot and put your right foot here. And so for me, it was, it was a shift in, in, in letting an athlete kind of self-discover through a lot of their own, you know, work on the field and in games and then kind of giving them a framework instead of very rigid rules. And, and I still understand that at the core of the game, you know, you need your quarterback to run your system. You need them to be able to, you know, move through progressions and understand the process behind each play. But on the flip side of it, you know, if you want to win championships, you need someone that can also turn that bad play call or that missed block or, uh, you know, create something out of nothing, you know, to, to play at an elite level. And so, me, I personally felt that we were coaching the creativity out of quarterbacks. You know, it always has to be this way, and that's how you're going to be consistent. And so you have to learn to live with a little bit of failure, you know, and, and encourage maybe, you know, a quarterback maybe going off, off structure a little bit in certain situations if you want them to make, make plays. And, you know, for years, Aaron Rodgers was kind of probably who we think of the most as, you know, in the most, you know, the last probably 20 years or so who's been the most creative in, in their play in terms of inside the pocket, outside the pocket, you know, there's the play that's called and then there's the play that's, that's run. But the feedback was always, you know, from coaches at, at higher levels, like, you know, don't do any of that stuff. That's just what Aaron does. And Aaron's super talented. Well, it almost felt like when Mahomes came, there's like, wow, we have another quarterback that is kind of allowed to execute within the system and then outside of the system that started giving people you know like well well maybe if we you know we give guys a little bit more freedom and creativity allow for that a little bit more there's other players out there that are going to be able to really maximize their skill sets and and i think with the the combination of you know from a coaching standpoint especially in college football where the the most athletic player on the field would either be put a, a tailback a wide receiver that kid now is getting an opportunity to play quarterback and, and, and so, you know, there's, there's much more situations now where there's breakdowns in plays and that kid's going to extend the play. And I think the coaching mindset overall has started to shift, you know, a little bit more to what if we encourage this in the training world, the private training sector, probably the last like three years, the emphasis on creativity and, and adaptive solutions, you know, a little bit more of a, 
a free play approach to training, I think has really been emphasized, you know, permission to use multiple arm angles. And, and, and so the, the spread of knowledge through trainers, um, obviously through social media, and there's some, some really great teachers out there, you know, from like Bobby Stroop, who works with Mahomes, the influx of, of the movement, you know, biomechanical specialists out there, I think that's kind of bled into the training and opened the eyes to a lot of people where the, the traditional, you know, three-step drop and get over the top and rip that slant, you know, there's only so, so much you can do with that. And, and how do we uh, keep younger players engaged and, and, and allow them to really capitalize on their talents? Yes, I think one of the things we've seen just in football training in general is more and more of the movement specialists, those guys who understand movement, how to train movement, you know, thinking about things like movement, literacy, all those things mm-hmm. you kind of mentioned, that it's more of that that free play and self-discovery about, oh, wow, I could do this as an athlete instead of the, the highly programmed stuff. And, and I think there's a, a place for both of those, but... I think too too much. Sometimes we rely on those very program types of drills, right? Uh, you know, if you talk to a, one of the movement yep. specialists I've had on here is uh, Sean Mishka, and you bring up the speed ladder with him, and he just yeah, Sean. You know, Sean loses his mind because that's just a very program way of doing things, and it's not necessarily how things happen again. You get really good at running a speed ladder, and that not translate to you being yep. a great football player, right? That you have to learn how to move in different ways. And Sean and I, back a few years, did a series during the year he'd pick out he still does it picks out his movement player of the week and the things he yep. saw in there and we kind of would would uh engineer some drills on how do you how do you create some of the things like this that guys have the ability to use their their athleticism their quickness their agility out on the field when especially you know because we draw those lines in all those different ways well that line ends and then stuff is still happening beyond that right and those are the things that you know you can't just train from do the drill this way and it has to be this way and 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 there's going to be things that now start to happen outside of that so your thoughts on i guess the the evolution of using those guys more and more i know kurt hester who and i think is at tulane he was at louisiana tech you know at one point prior to the season he's like more than ever like these these coaches i'm working with have discovered i can provide them a lot of value so i'm out at practice all the time and looking at their drills and you know meeting with them afterwards on how we can make these things better so i think that's all those things are starting to come together, not just with quarterbacks overall with football, but you definitely have seen that in the quarterback world. No, absolutely. And, and Sean has been one of those guys also on the forefront of maybe, you know, giving coaches a different way to look at things. It always frustrated me uh, in trying to differentiate myself in, in the industry as a coach. You know, we find ourselves trying to steal time, you know, maybe on the individual play stamp, you know, individual time standpoint, like what drills are we going to, you know, do and the old like jump, you know, step over bags and, you know, shuffle around these cones. And it's like, if you really boil it down, are we really getting them better at, at the game itself? And, and the irony always is the complexity and, and chaotic nature of football as coaches were trying to control everything and, and just understanding that, you know, it, it's tough to sit back as a coach and, and watch an athlete go through something and it doesn't look necessarily as clean or doesn't look as structured. You know, I think when you give athletes a permission to kind of self-discover and be creative, uh, you have to be okay with some stuff being not as clean the first couple of times. But what you find is, is 
you know, if you can create environments that, that are that are more representative of the game, you get better at the game itself. It's like we're not here to get better at stepping up the cones. We're here to get better at adapting to the environment. So coaches, I think, have, you know, done a, a good job. I've had more coaches than I ever have before at, at, at different levels, you know, reach out and, and question maybe some of the approaches they've had in, in, in practice and how can they better use that practice time. So it's nice to see that shift. You know, we're seeing it in younger quarterbacks. You know, they're a little bit more further along than, you know, than, than maybe 10, 15 years ago. And the gameplay, even at the high school level, is, is more exciting than ever with some of the stuff we're seeing out of, out of quarterbacks with their, you know, their skill sets. When you take this to the, the practical level, when you, you work with quarterbacks specifically on their skills and, and obviously quarterback coaches that are with a team – not only have to work on the skill, but now yep. have to work with things within context, right? All the situations, all those things there. So if you were to say, hey, my recommendations for this and understanding what you need to work on during the season, uh, but at the same time still wanting to be able to sharpen a player's skill, anything, I guess, that was really traditional that you say, hey, move away from this and move more towards these things as far as drilling and, and practice programming? Absolutely. You know, the last two years I've been the quarterback coach at St. Augustine High School, you know, traditionally in, in North Florida, one of the, the best public school programs in the state of Florida. And, you know, it's been it's been a really interesting journey for myself because, you know, I've been stuck in this training world for, you know, 17 years or so. And then I, I was like, oh, I'm going to go try to be a real football coach. And there was a learning curve for me that was pretty steep at first trying to get out of the, the, the training mindset and more into the football coach mindset. And what was, you know, helpful for me to understand was, you know, if you look at the year of, of a quarterback and, and how they develop over, you know, a 12 month period, you have to, you know, the, the core of your offense, you know, in terms of, you know, whether it's drops and it's timing on particular throws, uh, understanding the, the tactical side of the game, I, I think a lot of that stuff has to be accomplished in the offseason. And if you're trying to bring a quarterback up to speed, you know, in the beginning of, during fall, and obviously, you know, you're going to have situations where you have guys get injured or players, you know, the roster is going to change. But I feel like the season, season of focus, you know, we're going to build the fundamentals in the offseason, build the structure in the offseason. And then, you know, we seven on seven and all these other things, I think you give you know, athletes an opportunity to kind of feel out what they're capable of. You know, like you say, is a great example where, you know, you, you might want to be a little bit less structured in, in how a quarterback moves through progression, you know, let them feel out what their limitations are as a thrower, be okay if they throw an interception, you know, let them learn from those lessons. When we move into the shift into the season, you know, the one thing that stood out to me is, is in terms of individual time, there wasn't a whole lot I felt like I, I wanted to do individually with the quarterbacks from a mechanical standpoint. Naturally, players are going to have a little bit of regression through the season in terms of, you know, maybe the, the structure and footwork. You know, there's a little bit of sloppiness. You know, they kind of settle into um, what they feel comfortable with. And so being kind of adaptive in terms of how you are as a coach and saying, okay, he's more comfortable taking a punch step first or more comfortable with the right foot back in, in the, the stance and shotgun or on the center, but spending time individually with my quarterbacks became less and less of a priority. So, you know, where you could go spend 15 minutes doing some bag drills and throwing to a net. I really felt that time is best spent 
always working with another position group. The more we could throw to moving targets, you know, with laid decisions and creating an environment where they have to have some kind of live stimulus really, I felt, translated better in, into quarterback play during the season. I just felt like from my experience as a trainer, if you're, you're focusing on mechanics and, and, and it's not me to want to completely forget that stuff, but, you know, we, we need to win games. And, and so the more you can work with other position groups and stuff that's a little bit more applicable to gameplay, I think the better off you are. That, that's one thing that stood out. So less of the QBs by themselves time. And obviously you got to get stuff set up with protections and, you know, understanding progressions. And, and that's a good use of that time. But working with other position groups, I thought was a, a part of the game that, you know, maybe is, is glossed over a little bit too much and should be more because, you know, football is not really an individual sport. I mean, I get it. You got to get good at routes and you got to be able to write good at drops, but, you know, that timing has to be linked together. And it's hard to create that without full speed routes and receivers or tailbacks, you know. So that's, that's I think, some of the best things that, that, that really helped me understand how to be a better coach in this past couple of seasons. I'm sure now in stepping more into that role and that quarterback coach during the season that, uh, you know, in, in the, the training world, even though you'll do some pocket presence drills and, uh, sim- simulate yep. some pressure in different ways. The the chaos that really doesn't give them those clean looks and those clean feelings uh, needs to be a, a part of this as well. It's easy to do things in a seven-on-seven seven or routes on air. So what kind of things did you feel were of most value to you in training quarterbacks, especially in those environments now where there's guys flying all over the place, guys flying by them and having to move to find windows to throw, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, I think you can't, you know, nothing replaces the live reps. One thing that stood out to me actually was scout team seven on seven. So when we were servicing the defense with, you know, the other team's offense in seven on seven periods, one thing we noticed with our quarterbacks is they had a little bit more of a a carefree attitude in terms of, hey, I'm going to fit this ball in here and take a chance on this throw, or I'm going to look off someone longer than I ever have before in a great you know, shoulder fakes and, and, and subtle movements. And I really felt that, you know, the pressure of being perfect in when you're running your offense, you know, sometimes can create an environment for your quarterback where they're afraid to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, scout seven on seven where the pressure's off. Like if you throw a pick, we're just moving on to the next play. I think that mindset, you know, trying to find a way to, to, to marry that up. And again, it's like, I'm not saying be okay with interceptions, be okay with them, you know, completely forgetting the pr- progression. But, you know, sometimes it's good if, if someone's open um, and it's not in the progression and they hit with that receiver, we got to be good with that. You know, that's a great play. So as a coach, you know, finding a way to kind of mesh together the mindset of, hey, let's service the defense. We don't really care, you know, just run the play. I think bleeding that some of that mindset in, I think really is helpful for, you know, young quarterbacks and, and quarterbacks trying to figure out, you know, the timing and, and what they're capable of as a coach that's been, a, a, that stood out to me. And it's hard to do, right? Because you just, you, we want, you know, your stuff to be run perfect. You know, if you look at some of Patrick Mahomes' high school film, you know, there's a lot of plays there where you, you scratch your head and you're like, gosh, like, I don't even know how you would coach that. 
and look at Texas Tech, you know, because of no-look passes and the craziness that came out there, and now we see it in the NFL. So just having that trust in your guys and being able to um, self-discover a little bit, I think, is, is super important. I, you always look at it like when I first got my driving license, you know, leading up to that moment, I, I took my test, and I was now by myself in the car, that's when I really learned how to drive. <laughs> you know, you know, I didn't have someone sitting there telling me what to do. And yeah, that could be a bad thing. But for me, it was really, really good. And I really felt like I understood, I, I could feel out the limits of the vehicle. You know, I grew up in a, in a racing family. My dad was a race car driver growing up. So being in that environment is really where I learned how to drive. And I think if you take that mindset to the quarterbacks again I've, I've said this many times sometimes the best coaching is, is no coaching just keeping your mouth shut and moving on to the next play and um, seeing if they can learn from that mistake I know on the the technology side that's something you've always been involved in I'm trying to think back to 2009 uh, it re- people weren't really using it in football but the slow motion analysis I think it was dartfish maybe was the the software program yeah, back yep. then yeah. Um, so certainly yep. there's there's been a lot of evolution in the, the use of technology and how you use that to train quarterbacks. And you mentioned to me before we got going, 3D motion capture now is, is something that uh, you're starting to utilize. Absolutely. I think it's amazing you can use your phone and get 240 frames per second in, in a 2D environment. And, and you can learn a lot from that. I think that's been a huge advantage personally for myself. I think it's sped up quarterback development. One thing I realized is, you know, early on, as I shift more into the, you know, more of the biomechanical approach, so to say, a scientific approach, uh, I, I started realizing as good as an eye as I have for, for, you know, seeing certain things mechanically failing or, or being out of sync, at the core of it, you really can't tell, are they getting enough separation between their hips and their shoulders? You know, there's certain cues if it's extreme, but 3D motion capture, and having access to that technology has been really eye-opening as a coach going, you know, maybe I should leave some of these other things alone as a coach because I really don't know if I'm, uh, if I'm creating something that's going to transfer into their actual throwing. But having, you know, a bank of quarterbacks that, that you have data on and, and being able to see, okay, so great throwers always have the hips fired before the trunk and there's up to – you know, 35 degrees of separation between the hips and the shoulders, which is kind of an optimum amount, right? Can I really see that with my eyes? Probably not. Can I tell the difference between 20 degrees and 30 degrees? Probably not. So as a coach, I really have now put that side of my training, subcontracted that part of it out and, you know, get with guys that understand the true, true way to pattern, you know, correct movements and throwing. And then when we're on the football field with the football, you know, we're trying to implement what we know about that specific athlete and cue them on certain things that they can maybe feel, you know, that they've, they've gathered from the data, they've gathered from the, the warm-ups, they've gathered from the patterning drills, but really letting them now self-discover in that moment with the football in their hand. And, and so that was a, a big shift in my coaching where now I look at myself a little bit more from the artist standpoint. You know, if you, you look at it like, I'm trying to create a finished product and, and give feedback to the athlete. Whereas before I was trying to do it all. I was trying to get guys to snap their hips faster or, or get more separation between the shoulder, more flex than the knee, less flex than the knee. So whatever the data tells us, certain things we're going to stay away from. 
And we understand now that not all throwers, where the, the sequence itself at its core is the same, throwers will fit into different categories. And, and some guys were not going to have their front shoulder flash inside as much. Um, you know, some guys have a, do a better job of, of just firing their hips aggressively without much shoulder movement. And so that, that shift in the training world has, has been really helpful for me, you know, stepping back and going, well, I don't have to do it all and being really comfortable with what I, I'm good at and, and doubling down on that. One thing that kind of has become viral for you on social media, but you've talked about it for a long time. You identified it, I think, uh, following some things on on your social media history, maybe back in 2015 you were teaching it, and it's mentioned in the article, actually, when you're, you're introduced, the idea of the foot pop, right? So for uh, our listeners yeah. maybe who aren't familiar – uh, explain what the foot pop yep. is and why it's it's become an important thing for a guy like Aaron Rodgers. And I guess also you see it and, and use it in training with other quarterbacks as well. Absolutely. So the foot pop was, was something being an obsessive quarterback coach and always at, at my heart, a Packers fan. We know he's a huge Brett Favre fan. And then it was very, very easy to continue to be a Packers fan with, with Aaron Rodgers. You know, kind of reverse engineering some of the things that he did. I, I noticed in about 2014, 2015, that he was doing this bizarre thing with his foot where he would make contact with the ground and it kind of goes away from traditional sense of front foot strike. You know, we want a heavy foot in the ground. Front foot strike correlates with velocity more than any other part of the throw. Traditionally, we're thinking, you know, pushing up the back leg and, and driving to the target from an old, old mindset. What we understood is that like a solid front foot strike with good blocking in the in the lead leg really helps decelerate that front side and, and help us create some torque through the body. And so then you've got this guy that's got the most unbelievable arm, leaves the ground with that front foot almost as the ball is coming out of his hand. And so just from messing around in the facility by myself, I kind of figured out a way to do it. And in about 2015, I had a small group of athletes that I started experimenting it with. And, and McLeod Bethel-Thompson, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the CFL, played in the NFL. He's kind of one of the key, key athletes that, that we utilize this with. And for a long time, I kept it quiet. Like, I thought, like, I've got something that no one else has. And so McLeod had gotten back to me after, I think at that point he was with the Dolphins, and he's like, I'm able to make throws that I wasn't able to make before. I'm able to snap my hips, continue, especially on escaping outside the pocket, you know, create a lane, a strike zone for throwing that, that allowed them to get their arm through and not pull out a full out, a fall out of the throat. And the funny thing about this is that we went deep into this foot pop and started, you know, kind of a standard teaching for guys that had figured out the rest of the throwing. And at some point, you know, smart quarterback coaches will notice other players doing it. And so Brad Stanfield, a coach in, in, in Texas, had been someone that works with a lot of great quarterbacks in, in, in Texas at the college level and the pro level. And, you know, he was a guy that, that started implementing in that movement with a lot of his quarterbacks and found out, wow, this like really, really helps kind of organize everything on movement. And so, you know, fast forward, you know, it gets out there on social media a little bit, and then you start seeing quarterbacks all across the country. Danny Hernandez has been a guy that's in Southern California that's been doing this forever with his cues. Um, I know the 3D QB guys also had, had started implementing it into their training. Um, and it's not for everyone. It works for some people. And, 
you know, at first when we started using it, I had I had quarterbacks that would tell me, you know, their their co- college coaches would be like, knock that crap off, like stop doing it, doesn't make sense, and others wouldn't care, they just didn't understand it. So I went kind of on a mission to, you know, the irony was I felt like it hadn't been talked about in a mainstream standpoint. And and the guy that, uh, you know, you see it happen maybe intuitively with other quarterbacks, but I felt like Aaron Rodgers had, you know, conscious thought behind this particular um, move. You'd see it in his warm-ups. You would start to see it in other Packers quarterbacks. And so I was like, this guy really has put some thought into this. And so... The cool thing was, is through the Sports Illustrated article, is kind of got a chance to chat with Aaron in person on the phone. And, and the irony behind it all is, is, is this is something that he created in his backyard. You know, probably got done watching a couple episodes of The Office. <laughs> and his thought behind it was, you know, how do I take – his left knee was bothering him, and he wanted to take pressure off his, off his knee when he was throwing. And so he started messing around with this. And, and, and in his words, it was, I, it's a way for me to organize all of my arm angles and, and um, you know, creative throws into one move. We actually were so intrigued by it that we, we got quarterbacks to do the uh, pop on the motion capture. And what we found was, is that the separation between the hips and the shoulders was not as great as they popped the foot. But it moved everything quicker and it decelerated everything quicker. So it was like a natural way to sync up hips and shoulders and then create a ton of velocity off of movement um, with the arm. And now, you know, you scroll social media, you've got 10-year-old quarterbacks out there popping their feet. You know, we've got quarterbacks that come into the facility and camps that are doing it. Sometimes you go back, hey, man, we got to knock that off. you got to, you know, just focus on um, not having to do that every time. Even my own son is is uh, was banned for, from doing it for a while at, at practice because it became one of those things where he'd rely on it too much. But again, it's a it's a unique move. I think it has a place in quarterback play for a lot of quarterbacks. We have people specifically like, hey, when can we learn the football? But yeah, just think of it as a, as a way to organize, you know, proper sequencing on certain moves in the pocket and outside the pocket. Yeah, that's awesome, and and you see really the effect of social media right and you think about this you know becoming mainstream i know you've been working for with it for a while but go back to maybe before the days before this how long would that have taken really to get out and become mainstream to the camp circuits and, and quarterback developers and guys you know i mean probably doesn't even make its way into a coach's clinic where people are talking about it and now right you know almost instantaneously with the way things work that if, if something works for somebody, everybody's going to take a look at it, investigate it, maybe try it out and use it. And, and I think that's where we're at with information as well, that you, know, you look at quarterback development and you, really anything in football is that the information is easier to get than ever. Absolutely. It's, it's um, going to occur social media, but there's no doubt like we spend, you know, how much time we spend kind of, browsing and 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 seeing what other people are doing out there you know I, I i was a lot more active on on um you know posting you know some of my thoughts and and approaches in quarterback training um earlier on the day i kind of shift away from that a little bit and and uh you know just my athletes i felt like i i owed them a little bit of privacy and mm-hmm. and um you know didn't have to post feel like i have to post everything they they do i'm totally you know from a business standpoint 
you know, I don't, I don't need new clients. You know, got a good word, word of mouth business set up. So, but the, the great thing about it is, is you, you know, you do create some awesome relationships and there's things that come up and we all have those group text threads where it's like, Oh, did you see this? You know, what's this? And a lot of times there's a little bit of, you know, up front, there can be some um, frustration or, or like, why are they even doing that? That makes no sense. Uh, but then you find yourself trying that on the field a little bit later. So I love it for that fact. I try to, you know, keep tabs on the industry, stay aware of what's going on. And, you know, it gives me an opportunity to connect with maybe someone and, you know, a couple thousand miles away and, and learn about what they're trying to do. And, and, and um, yeah, there's, there's definitely some great advantages to it. Um, and some people out there that put out some great content absolutely do. One thing that's been amazing for me and, and, doing this podcast and I, I can't believe, you know, now we're, we're, uh, we're into year, uh, six here going into year six of the podcast, yeah. and, you know, started out with, uh, I look back to that first year, maybe we might've had a couple hundred thousand listens and we just hit 7 million the other day, 7 million listens lifetime. And, and I mean, the way it's tracking is going to be even more than that. So, you know, the, the networking that has come through has been incredible. And it was one of our conversations we had, I think, in the first year. And, and you told me about this group called QB Collective. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and then from there, you know, an introduction to Richmond Flowers, who is, who's the visionary behind that and, and, and the founder of, of QB Collective. And then, you know, together uh, we worked on some things with USA Football. And, you, you know, you were out there in L.A. And I think we did that in the summer of 2019. And, you know, it was really neat to see uh, just your role in that. You know, and I, we were out at another yeah. event just this this past May that guys do rely on you for some of the things you think about with quarterback play. And I won't say the, the guys who were coming up, but I mean, I'm talking very high level guys coming up and talking to you and asking you questions and picking your brain about quarterback play. And I'm sure you get a lot back from them, too, that you take from it. But I guess uh, the, the way you've seen that organization um that group developed the, the the qb collective you know at first it, you told me about it, i was like I, I don't know what that is what is it and now it's uh i mean you yep. start to see this everywhere and in the, the certainly the quarterbacks out there the young quarterbacks are aware of it what have you seen i guess and, and how has that been important for you and in, in your development as a coach yeah absolutely i think at the core of it you know especially for someone like myself who didn't have the nfl pedigree you know, I've, I have no no brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers that are, you know, anyone that was affiliated with anything in the NFL. And, I, you know, I was just a guy that, you know, had a dream of, of making it to the NFL and, and didn't make it. And so then it's like that door is closed. And it's like, you know, we want to know what the best is doing. You know, if you're a driven coach, it's like I want to have access to, to that information. And and so I th think the initial vision was, was like, how can we provide the information you know, to the younger athlete that, that's only been reserved for, you know, the NFL quarterbacks and, and NFL players and NFL coaches. And, you know, just as much as that helps an athlete to get a chance to work with, you know, Matt LaFleur or Sean McVay or Rich Gangrello or whoever it may be, I got the opportunity to sit right alongside that. My first year at, at QB Collective, I was picking up cones and holding a camera and uh, moving stuff around. And, and, and then, you know, there was a moment where I got a chance to sit down with Shane Waldron and talk a little bit about what I taught and then, you know, a chance to co-present with things. And, and so I get to ask questions. I'm like, okay, what is Matthew Stafford really doing on this, this concept? You know, why does Jimmy Garoppolo take this particular step? And then being able to get that answer has been helpful to help dictate what you teach and how you teach it. 
and, and I think one of the, the, the challenges we run into as coaches, you know, the perfect example is the foot pop. You know, I kind of reverse engineered it and figured out, well, I think this is why we do it. I think this is what we want to do it for based on what we see. But the irony behind it is that some guy with an injury that, that you know, was trying to find a, an adaptive way to, to throw it, right? And so getting that information goes, wow, like that, that's pretty interesting, you know, perspective. And, and maybe we thought it was something else and that's why he does it. And, and so we can look at that from, you know, the NFL side. Now have a little bit of, of understanding of, of what, you know, the, the true process behind some of the decisions and, and skills we see. So making that connection was really awesome for, you know, again, someone that, it, it, you know, we're not all going to play in the NFL. We're not all going to coach in the NFL. But, you know, if we can help provide athletes better solutions and better answers and, and help coaches, you know, understand the game, you know, a lot, you know, on a deeper level, not, that's awesome. And, you know, it's tough to say, you know, again, some of the coaches I get a chance to work with at the high school level and, and the college level, you know, my head coach, Brian Braddock, is, is one of the, the best football coaches I've ever been around. And so there's always great information out there from, from every level. But it's nice to pull back the curtain on the NFL level and, and see, like, okay, well, that's why they do it. And, and that's been, been really helpful uh, as a coach and, and a mentor and, and someone that's just passionate about learning, learning about the game. Yeah, definitely. And it's been f- definitely fun for me to be able to get out to some of those events and just peek behind the door and see what's going on with in the, in the world of QB development and, and really to go around and talk to some of those coaches too and pick their brains about what they just do in coaching. It's been uh, definitely an incredible experience. And Will, I, I appreciate you join, joining me again on the podcast and sharing some ideas here as we seem to do at this time of the year. And I'm sure that I'll be seeing you sometime in the future here at another QB Collective event. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me back on, and always great to chop it up about QB play.